We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 22, Patty. 22 of the Swider Show. We just, we just wrapped up a great interview with Maddie Segrist, uh, arguably the best women's college basketball player in the country. So it was it was a great interview. She she broke down a lot of things. She talked about her journey to Villanova, her recruiting process, and obviously the legendary career that she's had. The recent uh, internet sensation sensations uh, that she's had from Jalen Brunson calling her to go to Villanova basketball. To, she get, she got her jersey retired and everything like that. So it was a great interview. Patty, what do you think? Is that is that arguable? Are we saying that's arguable? Best player in the country? I guess it's her and Clark from Iowa probably, right? Caitlin Clark. Yeah. I mean, and Aaliyah Boston, who is also a New England native. Short list. Yep. Really? So, yep. But, yeah, so I mean, shout out. yeah you're not going to say many names before you get to Maddie. But, yeah, no. great interview. Um, yeah, we were kind of talking about it, but she has such a simple. She's kind of just like, yeah. I mean, I average like thirty. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny because like like this is I, this is pretty this is pretty easy. Yeah, I I think I was I was saying off air. Uh, one of our our good friends, friend of the show, obviously ACC leading scorer last year, Buddy Beheim. I, I saw a little bit of resemblance between the two because, like, for them, it's just such right. like it's so simple. Like all these people get worked up mm-hmm. about like the X and O's, like how complicated college basketball can be, and get worked up in that. Like, oh no, you have an open shot, shoot it. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's it's that simple for for people of that caliber. So it was it was a really great interview. Super excited to see, uh, obviously, see them in March Madness, see them make a big run in the tournament, and uh, shout out to Kylie Swider for uh, helping us get it done. Of course. Yeah, she, she orchestrated it. They start uh, their conference tournament on Friday, so tomorrow when you guys are listening to this. So tune in. They're the two seed. Um, yeah, hopefully hopefully a big run from the Wildcats on the women's side, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily on the men's. I mean, I you mean, still like Villanova, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean hey, on the men's too, let's, let's – Let's see, if yeah. they can, let's see if they can sneak in the tournament. Let's see if they sneak in the tournament. But yeah, but yeah no, just really, really exciting past couple of weeks for her, a fifty ball, um, and everything like that. So, so yeah, it's been a 
it was a great interview and shout out to Maddie. Yeah, big time guest. But um excited for you guys to hear that. But Swider, big week. We say this every week, but I mean, what got into you on Saturday night? Shoot, man. Shots started falling. Felt good from the beginning. Yeah. My teammates were finding me. I actually got some really wide open looks early in the game and uh after that it was it just felt good. It just felt good from the beginning. Yeah. So uh, if you're not sure, if you're living under a rock on Instagram <laughs> and you're not sure what we're referring to, um, Swatter this past week, Saturday night against, uh, no, who was it against? Not the I, main Celtics. Iowa Wolves. Main Celtic. Iowa Wolves, there we go. Um, Jordan Bohannon, yep. <laughs> a competitive podcaster, of course. <laughs> but uh, Swatter, 37 points in the night, 12 for 15 from the field, 8 for 10 from three. Uh, you started the game 10 for 10 and 7 for 7 from 3. I want to ask if you've ever, in your career, do you think you've done that? Is that the hottest you think you've ever started in a game? I think so. I think from a mentality standpoint, there was no feeling like Carolina, like in the Dean Dome. Every single time I made a shot, everyone was like, huh. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily the same crowd in the uh, UCLA training training facility. but No, it was not. But, uh, but yeah, no, I... I started out hot, like, and it was almost to a point. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to like sound like this guy, but I was like, I kind of want to get like this miss over with. You know what I mean? I wasn't gonna miss a shot on oh, purpose. Here we go. Here I was we gonna go. Miss, but I was like, I'm gonna keep shooting. Like, I know I'm gonna keep shooting, and like, I don't want to. I don't want to miss. But you know what I mean? Because you could end ten for ten, yeah, have, yeah. have thirty points, and not be aggressive. Right. But I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep being aggressive. I'm gonna keep on going. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, nah, it was a great night. Great team win. Really close out the game well, and that's something that yeah. we were talking. We were actually talking about last week with uh with Shaq, just our ability to close out games. So it was good performance by the yeah, squad. You guys, you guys are like really popping right now. You're kind of outclassing a lot of the the G League teams that you come across every game. That's yeah. that's a fans that's a fans perspective, not yours. But um, kind of related. This wasn't in the show planned, but I did see a TikTok this week, and it okay. was like that feeling when. Uh, you can't miss a shot in warm-ups, and the sound was something of the sort of like, uh-oh. Like, I'm not going to shoot well now because I'm making every shot in warm-ups. Do you subscribe to that theory? Because it kind of sounds like you're saying that when you start 10 for 10, you're like, oh, I just want to get this miss over with. If you can't miss in warm-ups, or you're like, oh, shit, like I'm, I'm getting all my makes in now. No, usually I, I think the opposite. I'm shooting well in warm-ups, like, all right, this, ba- this pass is looking big. All right. but, but, no, that's uh, fair. I used, but, to, I used to go the opposite way. When wow. I was bricking in warm-ups, I was like, all right. <laughs> Look out. Ten, nine for ten <laughs> start. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's hilarious. Also, like, I mean, fuck you for saying get this miss out of the way. A lot of people <laughs> start ten for ten. It's like, but, yeah, I mean, we'll be, we'll be following along. You guys play your hometown, sort of hometown, Maine Celtics, this, uh, this week, tonight, when you guys are listening to this. I'm getting real good at that. Yeah. The when you guys are listening to this. But, um. Yeah. The other thing, we'll move into the, the big Lakers here. Unfortunately, Brown's hurt. You guys are playing right now. Yep. Um, I'm not sure what the score is. I don't have eyes on it. I don't have my TV on. Um, one thing I didn't want to complain about, they interviewed Austin after the first quarter. I didn't much care for that. <laughs> Did you see that or no? No, I didn't, I I didn't see it. I practice or whatever, but. No, I was actually watching the game on my iPad, and it was the, it was the Lakers uh, stream. It was like the Comcast uh, mm-hmm. Spectrum Sports, sports Guy, net, uh, yeah, stream. Yeah, the, the local. 
The yeah. local one, of course. Because yeah. I was watching it on League yeah. Pass because my TV wasn't connecting to TNT, so I didn't get to see that interview, but I bet Austin did a great job. No, he did a great job, but I mean, like, what are they doing interviewing the guy in the middle of the game? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you're coming into tonight, three-game winning streak. The new guys look very good, Twitter. Yeah. You know, they've been a great addition to the team. I think it's, I think it's just overall it's just such a great fit to play alongside LeBron and AD and uh, just to compliment the players that we already have. Like, we were able to keep Dennis. We were able to keep Lonnie. We were able to keep Austin. We were able to keep Maxie, who's, who's been playing with us recently. But just all these young pieces, I, I'm just really excited to see, like, where we can go. And then all these guys either have a year – have a team option on their deal or have a year left in their deal. So, like, these guys will, be, will most likely be back next year as well. So. Right. Um, and we haven't really seen D'Lo play that much either, so it's it's been a it's been it's been great to have these guys. Um, they've, they've been great to me when I, when I've met them. I've met them a couple of times, and, um, and yeah, excited to eventually be back up with them. Right. How uh, how familiar with you were, were you with Vanderbilt's game before we got to you guys? Because I feel like a lot of people are like just figuring out how good he is and helpful he is on a basketball court. It's, it's, it's like uh, Shaquille O'Neal's. The Shaq, the Shaq yeah. name, yeah. Um, yeah, so I played against Jared Vanderbilt in EYBL when I when I was a junior in high school, or a sophomore in high school, and, I, and he was a junior. Um, so I've known he's been a really talented player. Like, he's a Swiss Army knife on the defensive end, can guard one through five. It's Just incredible. Unbelievable. And I think, so for, we've talked about this with Austin a little bit, how like his stardom and fandom of, of being in the NBA, of, of like, like just being like an LA Laker to having that stage, just um, puts you on a different level. Yeah, puts you on a different level. And and Jared Vanderbilt hasn't played for like the most high profile NBA teams. No, exactly. no, no disrespect to the Timberwolves or Utah Jazz, but there's a different. There's no, a different... I want all disrespect to the Utah Jazz and the Timberwolves. <laughs> Put that on record. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, but the, but but the the eyes on the Lakers just provide such a like for example like first take and undisputed and. Uh, first, t- uh, first things first. They're all talking about the Lakers every single morning, so everyone's every eyes are on every yeah. every single game. So it just provides such a such a stage for these guys to go out there and showcase their talents, and it's going to up their value as well throughout the whole entire league. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Sunday when you guys beat the Mavs, that was like an awesome game. It's the biggest comeback in the NBA this year. Yeah, um, I think the second biggest was when you guys beat Portland earlier in the year. It was like twenty five or twenty six, but. That definitely seemed like Vanderbilt's kind of coming out party where a more casual fan is like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he like, he was the best player on the court for like most of the second half or the most impactful player on the court. He was everywhere. He had 15 and 17, had like a bunch of big steals. Well, even like Jason Kidd after the game saying like, Jerry Vanderbilt just kicked our ass. Like, I feel like that's the ultimate respect of obviously not only from an NBA coach, but from Jason Kidd, who's a Hall of Fame player as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's playing great. I thought Malik had a couple of really great games, and like even the other night, like he hits a huge three in the in the fourth quarter, and I think he shot like two for eleven from three. Like just having that that confidence, that swagger to to be able to make that shot in the fourth quarter was huge. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think all the the newcomers have looked great, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's been great to watch these watch these guys play, and, and ultimately just kind of bring us back to that situation. Obviously, LeBron being hurt sucks, but I think with the with the recent trades that we've made, we kind of have that depth so that we, we can mm-hmm. sustain LeBron being out 
a couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah. No, it's definitely fun to watch you guys. You're sort of rounding into shape. You also got in front of my next question there, the mindset without LeBron for the next couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully you can kind of keep your heads above water. And then the West yeah. is also so, like, jam-packed that Jammed. it's like, I think 5th to 13th is two games apart, three games apart. So it's like, you know, this will be as exciting as a finish to an NBA season as I can remember. But, like I said, it's why a very exciting stretch run here. Again, by the time you guys are listening to this, it is March. <laughs> a lot of people consider this to be the best sports month of the year, mainly and basically only because of March Madness. Yeah. Which leads us into our mailbag question of the week, Swider. Um, Adam, you could also chip chip in here because Sheridan was addressed in this mailbag question. Wow. He wasn't able to make it tonight. But we got a mailbag question of the week from Curtis. Great name. Curtis. Curtis. Nice. But, uh, yeah, thanks for writing in, Curtis, to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. He asked, with it being March now, growing up, were you, Cole, Adam, and Sheridan uh, more of a March Madness or NBA playoff guys growing up? Yeah, I can answer so you this got first. March Madness, you got NBA playoffs. Which one would you get more excited for? Let's get. Let's let Adam go first. All right, yeah, Adam, go first. All right. So, um, first of all, <laughs> there is nothing like Thursday and Friday of March Madness when you're in school and watching. Uh, watching, at least for me, we'd uh, either either the teacher would have it on or we'd have it on, and the teacher didn't know we had it on our phones. Um, but <laughs> that being said. Um, after those first couple days, I am much more of an NBA playoffs guy. I usually don't miss a game of the NBA playoffs, um, whether it's having two TVs or watching for eight hours straight or both. Um, I try not to miss a single game of the NBA playoffs, but I love March Madness as well and usually do pretty well in the bracket challenge. So does that mean are you a, more of a college basketball than an NBA guy or an NBA guy over college basketball? Overall, I'd, I'd say now that I'm in college, I'm a big college basketball guy right now. But growing up, I was 100% NBA. Honestly, didn't watch too much college basketball in general. Well, Binghamton, too. Oh, Bing, of course, Binghamton. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't know if you can call that college basketball, but uh, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> I, uh, I've been to, you know, 150 of those games in my life. So, yeah, I guess I'll answer this question next. Yeah. Um, I would say growing up, I was like a huge, I mean, Syracuse fans aren't going to like this. I was a huge Duke fan. So March Madness every single year was an amazing thing. I, I think I like dreamed more of, of like I was, my, my dream was always make the NBA, but I dreamed a lot of like playing in March Madness, playing on that big. That's a great fi- call. Final four type thing. And. College was always something that, like, I, I saw in my journey, right? Like, these kids now, like, mm-hmm. like they don't even see college in their journey anymore. Like, my little brother says all the time, like, I, I'm, I'm just going to sign to the – I'm just going to go to the draft or I'm just going to go to OTE or – you know what I mean? It's just such a different, yeah. such a different mindset. Oh, I um, love this. We're, this is great podcasting. We're maturing into the uh, this generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, doesn't, this, does, it doesn't have it as hard as we did. I love yeah, it. This generation doesn't Keep get going. it. This generation doesn't yeah. get it. Um, <laughs> so, I would say growing up, Definitely, and I mean, even, even up until last year, I was more of a college guy, and then obviously being in the NBA now. Uh, yeah, it's different. It's just such a different style of basketball to be played, right? Like, I remember listening to like a couple, like all these NBA podcasts, and like 
they would like disrespect the college game, and I'll get like offended by it. Because yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird how that is like a thing. It becomes yeah. an argument, and people are like, "Oh, how do you like college basketball? Or, like, how do you like the NBA?" It's like I don't know. I mean, it's way different. The styles yeah. are so different. It's almost like watching two different sports. But I, I feel like people. Love both of them. I feel like people who have a basic understanding of basketball like college more because it's like the students are involved. Like you're playing hard every single position. Every every position mm-hmm. means everything. There's 30 games. It's like so like the basic understanding of basketball. I, I feel like people kind of like go to college more. Right. But if you really appreciate the art of basketball and like how good players are, if you appreciate scoring and and like just the masterful like performances that some of these guys make, like I don't understand how you can't be an NBA guy. Yeah, I mean, it just never made sense to me how you don't like watching the players who are better at it than like if you like basketball, then why do you not like the NBA? It's yeah. literally the best players in the entire world. But uh yeah, there's nothing worse than like the like, oh, I, I only like – I like college more because they actually try. Yeah. Oh. It's like, all right, man. Hey, like, I'm, I'm at this level, I mean, if man. if you watch like, any NBA game, if you if you watch any NBA game, like, the play, all the players are playing their asses off. But it just so happens the guys on offense are also really, really good. Well, people don't also realize, like, the rules are made so that it's a high-scoring game. So, it's also so much more spread out, like the land violations, all that shit. It's yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. It's really like, different. But, that's what I'm saying. The rules make the game different. So, like, if they want to see that, they should watch EuroLeague. Because EuroLeague is probably the best league in the world that doesn't have rules to enhance scoring. And those mm-hmm. games, if you, if you guys want to watch a 72-68 game uh, where men are just, like, just beating each other up, like, a complete bloodbath, no foul calls, then go ahead, watch EuroLeague. Like, that's, that's, yeah. a, ve- that's a very high level of basketball where it's a 40-minute game, it's a bloodbath. Yeah. Guys guys who average 13 points a game are considered the best players in the league. Like, that, yeah. that's, that's what I and would say. And then they're smoking cigs after the game. That's... And, and drinking a 30-pack. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, but, but that's no, no disrespect to your league. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, it's, it's, the, no, second best league. it's, sec- it's the second best league in the world. But Well, that's why, uh, like, Luca has had quotes, and other European guys have had quotes, where it's like, they say they come to the NBA and it's, quote, easier to score over here. They yeah. don't mean that, like, the players are worse. It's just the rules and the style of play just enhances more scoring. Well, I, I, wouldn't, I would say no player has ever said that like, the players aren't better in the NBA, right? It's just the, oh, yeah, rule, exactly. the rules are different. If a EuroLeague came, came over here and played against a G League team with, with NBA rules – it probably be like your your league team might be like a little bit better talent wise, but it's not like a huge gap. But if right. we went over there, it, it, and it would probably be a good game. But if we went over there and played in the in the Euro League, uh, in the Euro League game, we get freaking demolished, like because we're just not used. Like we get we get physically beat up, and that's why I think a lot a lot of the time when the USA goes over and plays in these games, obviously yeah. we we have way more talented players, but the rules are different. So. It's uh, it's interesting. I remember Coach Wright coached the USA team, and Coach Beheim coached the USA team a bunch. And he, they used to say like, we have to remind the players that it's only a forty minute game. Like you don't have those extra eight minutes in the game to like ease yourself into it. Exactly. Like, like be ready to go. Like it's only forty minutes, not forty eight. It's only forty. So it's not forty eight. Like they constantly had to remind remind them, and that, that's a huge difference in the game. Those eight minutes. Mm-hmm. 
That's so. also fascinating from the point of those really good guys, like Kobe and LeBron and Wade and all those guys are probably like easing themselves into games, which is also on the flip side crazy to think about that they approach an NBA game where they're like, all right, I'm strategizing when I kind of not turn it on and turn it off, but the, the, the stretches within the game where it's like, I'm going to try and take over here. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, it's such a different mindset. It's, mm-hmm. it's, diff- it's different games. I mean, real – Real basketball people understand that, but it's it's. Uh, yeah, real yeah. hoopers now. Yeah, <laughs> dropping one of those. Yeah, but uh, yeah, shout out Curtis for sparking a Euro League conversation there. Yeah, who um, would have thought we'd be talking about Euro League <laughs> on today's podcast? I don't think I answered the question, but your point of uh, dreaming of playing in March Madness is a very good call. I feel like when I was little, runs like Steph at Davidson. Um, like Kemba, Shabazz Napier. I was a little older for that, but those guys like resonate way more because you basically just take over the sports world for like three weeks and you're just immortal. Um, yeah, the one shining pot or one shining uh moment. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to be in that. Never was. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, this is a big, big time. Cuse is kind of struggling right now, but. GMAC ceremony coming this Saturday. I will be there. Keep an eye out on the social page, Swider Show, on Instagram and uh, Twitter Friday afternoon. We actually don't even know, Swider, what's what's being dropped. Adam is uh, keeping it close to the vest. He said it's. it sounds like his... Uh, by far. By far the best video he's By far done. his best work. What do people call that? Um, Magnum Opus? Is that what yes, you're thinking of? that's what I'm thinking of. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> I don't know that if I'd go exactly that far. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. It's only Tuesday, so we'll see where it gets before Friday. The, but I'm the, very the, excited. The, the chemistry of this podcast. Yeah, is I was going to say. I was trying to think of it, and I just didn't have. I was going to say Mona Lisa, which, which is just not it. But yeah, Magnum Opus. I wow. still don't even really know what that means, but I know that's what it's kind of referring that's, to. That, that's great. That's great. Keep an eye out for that. It'll definitely deliver. All right, Swatter, we're uh, introducing a new segment here because our stat of the week person is, he's, he's usually busy on weeknights, we'll put it that way, sharing it. New segment idea, this needs a sponsor as well, um, so if you're looking to sponsor, please reach out. The name of it, it's a copycat league. Yep. You hear that term thrown around a lot. So basically coaches will be like, oh, where'd you come up with the set? Uh, Missoula from the Celtics the other day. <laughs> it's kind of not really copycat because it is within house Brad Stevens, but they're like, "Oh, where'd you come up with that set for Jason Tatum?" He's like, "Oh, I got it from Brad." You look around college basketball, you look around the NBA, all the sets, all the plays being run. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's a copycat league." I got it from that coach. A lot of people say in the NFL. Yep. So basically, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna make our job as podcasters very easy, and we're just gonna see what's what people are talking about, what get what's getting the people going, what's hot in the streets. Yep. And we're just going to talk about it here so we don't have to think about original topics. Does that sound good? Patty, I like it. Yeah, it's perfect. So this, this week's the first iteration of It's a Copycat League. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, Spider, but uh, basically our boy Perk, Kendrick Perkins, went on a rant on one of the shows on ESPN. I don't know, Get Up maybe. Yep. Um, one of the ones that, that, that greenies are on, the ones and twos. Stephen A is there. Um who else? Jalen Rose, J.J. Reddick, they're all checking in. 
Yep. He basically went on and said, two-time defending MVP, Nikola Jokic. Odds-on favorite to win his third in the row, averaging a triple-double this year. Long story short, he basically said he, he thinks he's stat-padding this year. <laughs> J.J. Redick, um, Ryan Rosillo, guys like that on Twitter, go after him. It sparked this giant debate where it's like, is Jokic stat-padding or not? Um, what are your thoughts there about not just Jokic, but kind of like stat-padding in basketball? Well, I think and I have it, a specific it, question for you within it. Okay. Well, I think it is a, a real thing within the NBA, right? If someone has eight rebounds and they, and they have 22 points and 10, a 10 assists, you're going to really try and get those two rebounds. And your teammates might know, they might not know. Uh, last game, uh, I kind of stole a rebound from Cam Oliver to get my 10th rebound and make sure I secured that double-double. So I would say it is a real thing. <laughs> it is a real thing. I uh, Cam Oliver also had nine rebounds, so... Oh, no way. Yeah, I felt bad. I felt bad. I was like, let me get this. I need 10. (laughs) But uh, you even look at, like, some of Russell Westbrook's. I mean, to be that talented, to be able to stat pad for uh, a triple-double, and I put the quotation marks around stat pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to tune into YouTube to see that. Yep, exactly. Um, It's just, I think it's unbelievable in its own right. So... I think Nikola Jokic is is a masterful basketball player. I uh, in the one game I really got NBA minutes was against the Nuggets, and yeah. he had like twelve points. And at the end of the game, they were like putting his his they were like saying his stats over the loudspeaker. They're like Nikola Jokic twelve points, seventeen assists. I'm like, what? Like I played in the game, I didn't I didn't even realize he had seventeen assists. Yeah, you don't even feel it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion about it. I don't, I don't like. Is it even really stat padding though? Like to your, it's, I feel like it's just kind of human nature. Like, oh, I want to have anyone who's ever played basketball is like, yeah, you know how many points you have in your head at all times. You don't know how many rebounds and assists in like a men's league because they don't keep it. But if you're in an NBA <laughs> ring and there's your stats are all over the jumbotrons, the screens, yeah. everything. Like, it's impossible to avoid knowing your stats. So I don't know. Maybe they are stat padding, but like, it's not necessarily a new thing. Like, I think back in the day, like, Moses Malone used to, like, get his own rebound and just, like, throw it off the backboard, like, five times to get more rebounds. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't think Wilt Chamberlain was trying to get 100 points? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. It's ridiculous. Well, there's actually, there's conspiracies out there. That is not true. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on that. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy guy, but uh, I don't know. No videos of it. But, however, yeah, I mean pretty entertaining to follow on Twitter, but I'd say I'd fall on the line of Jokic is probably not stat padding. <laughs> well, I, whatever he's doing, he's winning games. He's gonna probably be <laughs> yeah. MVP again, so he's doing something right. Yeah. Shout out Patty for uh, a great segment idea. Patty, I, gr- yeah. great name, copycat league. I, I really think it's gonna stick. So, um, shout out Patty. Shout out Adam for uh, for <laughs> sticking it out in this in this pre-show and. We're just going to kick it right over to Maddie Segrist. Like we said, great interview, uh, one of a kind. Uh, obviously, the, I think, I'm going to say it, Patty, the best player in women's college basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. The best player in women's college basketball and also um, the best, I'm trying the most accomplished player yes. to join us on the show. 
That's how I would put it. That that as is far true. As all-time biggie score, yep. most points in the history of Villanova. Um, I don't know, averaging 48 a game, <laughs> all that. So, yeah, I'll second you in that notion. So, shout-out, Maddie. Like like always, follow at Swider Show on, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, email us your questions at SwiderShow at gmail.com. And, again, shout-out to Blue Wire, um, keeping us going and, and obviously putting some ads in our, in our, in our show. So, so <laughs> yeah. shout-out them. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 22 of The Swider Show. We have a very special guest this week, Patty. Um, in my opinion, the best uh, basketball player in women's college basketball. Um, an all-time Villanova great, uh, one of the best scorers in college basketball history, and uh, recently the all-time leading scorer in Villanova basketball history, men's and women's. So, Maddie Segrist, welcome on the Swider Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join. Yeah, no, no, really appreciate you making this work. We uh, we changed the time a couple of times, but it's all good. We, we had to get the Syracuse basketball connection in there, so um, watching Syracuse play Georgia Tech right now. Not the best game for our, our Syracuse fans, but it's all good. Yeah, just to start off, Matty, how are you doing? I mean, you've had a long season. You're obviously at the top of the scouting report on every single scouting report you go on. What do you think of the season so far? You're leading the team to a great season season so far. and uh, You excited for March? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going good. You know, coming into this season, we had a lot of, you know, success last year going into, you know, the second round of the NCAA and just, like, wanted to repeat that, wanting to – you know, be better um, for the next season. Uh, starts in the off season. You know, summer sessions always a grind. Um, yep. But I couldn't be more happy with how this team has responded to like all the adversity and like coach uh, gave us a much tougher schedule, which is great. Um, I think that just has helped us. Um, you know, we're going into the Big East tournament this weekend, so that's super exciting. I really think it's you know, uh, it's going to be fun for us. I think you know, you take it one game at a time. You don't want to get ahead of yourself, but you know, you give it your best shot this weekend, then, you know, you got a little week off and then into the NCAA tournament. How how surreal is this time for you being, I mean, any college basketball player that plays four years, when your career, like, comes to an end, you go through senior day, you kind of have that time off, you sit and you're reflecting before you go into the conference tournament. For anyone, it's, like, very special and weird to sort of think about. But when someone who's played as many minutes, had as iconic a career as you, when you look back, is it kind of insane to think about how fast it's gone and you're getting ready for kind of like the stretch run of your career here? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like just yesterday, like, you got to Villanova, you're, like, there in the summer, you're so excited to be there. Uh, and it was, like, a blink, but I feel like I really enjoyed my time. And, like, senior night, like, you know, it's, like, sad, but, like, at the same time, like, for the women, like, we have a chance to host for the NCAA tournament. So, like, I kind of went into it, like, this isn't the last game here. Which <laughs> I mean, a lot. Absolutely. Nah, you're right, Matt. It feels like yesterday. So, for all the listeners that don't know, me and Matt actually came to Villanova together. We we actually had the same weekend for our official visit in the fall of of 2017. So it feels like forever. Mac- Mackenzie Gardler, Brandon Slater, we, we're all on that visit together. Um, but going back to your recruiting process, what schools were recruiting you? Obviously, we were on the same recruiting visit, and I remember during that time you didn't have the craziest offer list. No, like, I took all five of my official visits. It was uh, Villanova, St. John, Seton Hall, and then Marist, Fairfield. So, like, Villanova wow. was probably the biggest, uh, like, most successful program uh, at the time. So, it really, like, one of my last offers, I had, like, went on the visit. Like, I loved the school, but they weren't super interested. And, you know, I just, I had a great time, my official, and I was like, all right, like, let me try this out. And fortunately, like, looking back now, it was one of the best decisions I made. It's definitely a, a great decision by your old coach, Harry Peretta. So, Patty and I played for a legendary coach who was there for 40-plus years. You you got recruited by Harry Peretta, um, and you're still very close to him to this day. What was his message to you? Because as an old-school coach for that, from Coach Bayheim, like when he recruited me, it was like it was a 20-minute pitch. He, he told me, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And honestly, for me, it came true. But what was Harry's pitch to you, and how did he get you to commit to Villanova? So, like, he was, like, the first school that, like, didn't, like, uh, like tell you exactly what you wanted to hear. <laughs> I feel like it really, like, you know, you should come here. We really want you. Like, it was, like, you know, this is a great school. We're a strong program. And, like, you know, like, you have a chance to be good if, if it works out. But, like, there's a chance, like, you might not play right away. I remember I was, like, what? Like, sitting in the office, like, every other school tells you what you want to hear. And he was, like, well, I can't, I can't predict how you're going to, you know, trade <laughs> the college game. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, oh, my gosh. Um, and I almost took that, like, as, like, a challenge. Like, I was, like, yeah. oh, I don't think I'm, like, going to be good enough. Like, all right. And, like, uh, I just committed. Just knowing that, like, you could always leave. I'm, like, if it doesn't work out. But I'm, like, if I don't go and take that chance, like, I, I don't want to regret it forever. Is that is that a mindset you always had? And it's just, like, kind of your work ethic and trying to prove people wrong? Because... I don't know what it is, Swider, about guests. That's been sort of a common theme where there's people that say, like, oh, you might have to retro your freshman year, <laughs> like maybe kind of work to get on the court, and then you end up averaging whatever it was, like 19 a game as a freshman. So going through the recruiting process, were you someone that because of kind of your mindset and your work ethic, you're like, I don't really necessarily want everything handed to me? Yeah, like I think it was like that comp- like um, like competitive mindset. Like I'm overly competitive. It's like a double-edged sword. But just knowing that, like, you know, almost like I was like, no one else was saying that, and I was like, so why, why are you mm-hmm. saying that? It's also, it's a weird phenomenon because like, they're recruiting you, so they want you on the team, but then they're also like driving this motivation in you. So I always <laughs> wonder with older coaches, like they're established enough to do that, so it's like, is that a tactic that they're trying to use? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's definitely like that old, that old school like mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not gonna tell you how great you are, and like you already, you already know that at that point, like. You're, uh, you're good enough that I'm recruiting you that, like, I don't have to tell you that. It's like, this is what you're going to – because I think, like, you know, especially with Harry, he didn't want to tell you you were going to 
play or do this and then you did mm-hmm. upset and you're like you want to leave so i think when he goes in like that and was like well you might you might not he, he didn't promise anything so it's like you know you can't be that upset i guess as a player yeah exactly yeah, no, with those old school coaches, like, usually they just give it to you straight. And that's what I always appreciated about Coach Beheim is that you know exactly where you stood all the time with Coach Beheim. Is that something that Harry kind of did as well? Because my sister was recruited by Harry, never really got to play for him. But it just seemed like he always just shot you straight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes too straight uh, after the games. But, yeah, you, you knew exactly where you were. You know, if he was mad at you, you knew if he thought you were good, thought you were bad. Yeah. Uh, which like I I always admire like liked as a player you know my high school coach that was like an old old school coach like that and and I always liked that so you knew you know exactly where you were at um, which which I think is good as a player like unless you know I never wanted to be like told something that wasn't oh, true so I really like that. Before we get into like her freshman year where she played great, she also had a had a tough injury her freshman year that we that we were there together and kind of. <laughs> set it back a little bit. Can you talk about going into your freshman year, you're excited to play at Villanova and everything like that, and then you break your foot, you're out for the whole entire year. You you told me that you wanted to come back, and Harry was like, no, just take the whole season off. Like You'll be fine four years after that. Talk about that mindset of being, going into your freshman year, wanting to have a great freshman year, and then having to sit out the whole entire year as a red shirt. Yeah, I mean – you know, d- doing the whole summer, like, you- you're just, like, getting acclimated. Like, I think the first summer literally is just getting used to the college level, the college strength. And then, you know, fortunately, you know, you go in, you you think you're playing all right. And it was, like, the end of – I think it was the first official practice or second. So I break my ankle and I, like, you know, I think it's fine. They're going to tell me it's not that bad, didn't swell. I'm like, all right, it's sprain. I found out it's <laughs> you know, surgery on it. And I was like, there's no way I'm redshirting. Like, absolutely none. Like, I just, I was like, that's it's not an option for me. It was never something I wanted to do. And, you know, Harry's like, you're not going to rush, come back from an injury, which in hindsight, like, I'm glad, you know, I didn't rush back. But at 18 years old, like, all I wanted to do was play. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not racing the whole year. So luckily I redshirted the year and I was like, and it worked out. So then, you know, that whole year I really was just able to watch um, watch the team. Like, there was a lot of great players, and I was so fortunate to really just watch what they were doing and, like, watch them, the motion offense and just learn from the sideline. Did you kind of view that almost as an advantage where you have this year where you, like, learn the college lifestyle? You're obviously recovering from the injury, but going into that summer, was there – like a confidence to you that you kind of knew the cadence of, of what it's like to be a college basketball player and then you use that confidence to kind of return to the court and then have as successful of a first season as you did? Yeah. So at the time, I didn't realize it was going to benefit me. At the time, like I was like probably like more upset that I even redshirted and like almost like came back like I'm going to be better than I would have been last year. Like, you know, like I, I want to be good and I want to like help my team in any way possible. And I think like I really worked on like, my shooting that red shirt year and like that helped me a lot. That was an area that like in high school I was so much taller than everyone. So I didn't yeah. have threes and like we play the motion and, you know, you have to be able to shoot threes. So fortunately, like I really worked on that so that I added that to my game. So like I felt like, that much more confident going into that first season. Going into your fresh, 
into your redshirt freshman year. Obviously, Patty talks about how you had that year to kind of prepare, but were you expecting to have that that monstrous type of season? What, what was the team expecting you? Like, was it one of those things where you were playing well in practice, but you didn't know? Like, talk about that fir- that first year because out of, out of nowhere, you come out and score nineteen points a game, and almost everyone in college basketball don't don't they don't average nineteen points a game in, at all in their career. Yeah. I definitely didn't think that. Like, I wanted to impact the team in a positive way. Like, whatever that was, I thought, like, you know, maybe I was going to have a chance to start, but I, like, didn't start the first few games. We're trying to find a way to <laughs> So I just was like, whatever I could do to help this team, like, I'm going to do. And then, you know, the first few games were like, you know, I had, I, I think, like, double figures. Like, I was okay. I didn't shoot great. Like, you know, you're missing foul shots. Like, things you don't normally do. And then, yeah. Boredom, and I remember I had like a big game, and I was like, after the game, I was like, wow, like that's you know, like I, I didn't expect that. And then all you're thinking, like, wow, I don't know if I could do that again. Like, I remember thinking that in my head, like, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure I could do this every time. <laughs> you mentioned these, these big games throughout your career. It's, um, I mean, that season, like your first giant game was the LaSalle game, you have 40, and it seems like these big games you have. You're also super efficient. Have you always been like that, like, throughout your entire career? Because, like, you have 19 shots in that game. We'll touch on it later, but a week or two ago you had 50 on, like, 20 for 25. Have you always been super efficient, or is that something that's kind of come with your, like, game maturing and everything? Uh, I think, like, a little bit of both. Like, I really remember, like, I remember shooting in the driveway as a kid, and my grandpa, you know, was just watching me and my brothers and sisters shoot. Like, we were just, like, messing around. And I used to like turn, like like chuck the ball, like see how fast I could shoot it. And he was like, Maddie, like why don't you shoot every shot? Like you take every shot like you want it to go in. You think it's gonna go in. So I think that's something like I've tried to carry over. Like you shoot shots that you think are gonna go in. Like if I just chuck the ball at the basket every time, like and, and didn't look, like then I think you know your efficiency would go down. But like I've tried to carry that over in college, like taking good shots like every possession. So after that sophomore year, you obviously have a great year. Um, the, the team has a good year. And then Harry decides to retire. Talk about that decision because that, he was a big part of the reason why you came to Villanova. You you just had a great year with Harry. Now everything's in flux. Did you think about transferring? Um, and what was the conversation with Denise when, when she came in? Yeah, I remember, like, I, I was, like, so I was like surprised because, like, you know, I, I thought Harry was going to stay my whole career. That was like, you know, he never said that, but I just assumed he would stay for, forever, I guess. You know, yeah. coaches like that are going to stay forever. And he's like, ends up leaving. And then Denise got the job. We were home for COVID. And I remember I was like, I love Villanova. Like, I love everything about it. So I, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave. That was never like something that I wanted to do. So fortunately enough, like Denise and I like hit it off like pretty quickly, like, it started like with phone calls and stuff like that because like we weren't here for COVID, so I don't think I met her until August. Like I'd seen her around campus, but I'd never met her as the coach until August. So we did like a she did like a lot of relationship building in those first you know few months, you know on Zoom and on the phone. But I think that you know made me more comfortable and like you know that that was huge for me, like the, the having that comfort level. No, for sure. Before we before we get on to your year after that. Can you talk about the impact that Harry's had before before we move on to the Denise era? I think a lot of people don't know that Harry is obviously an old, 
old school coach, but he did so many things in terms of women's basketball that he grew the program from when he was a part-time head coach for, for the program into, into what the program is now. He, he's been to Elite Eights, and, and all during that time, he's told players to leave. He redshirted almost every single player, even if they were ready to play. He basically told the, the players if they had a good job that you can leave. I don't care about the team success. Like you can leave and go and go do that job. He's like girls leave for nursing school. He's always put the the girls first. Can you talk about just the impact of Harry Peretta on the Villanova women's basketball program? Yeah, I mean, just you know how passionate you know he is about it. Um, just seeing it throughout his whole career, just like just so cool like how he took it in the beginning when it was part-time, like you were saying, and then really grew it and was able to, you know, get these, like, really big-time players like Nancy Bernhardt, and then, you know, you get Shelly, you get Lynn Tom. Yeah. Like, that was when like, they really started taking it off. But to do it for 42 years, like, keep the program, like, you know, coaches are getting hired and fired all the time. And for him to yeah. school for his whole career and, like, to grow it into what it is is just so cool. And then to hear, like – he coaches every players, but he often like draws on the past. So like whatever situation that like, you're in, like he already had six kids that did that. And you're like, Oh, and just like, I think that had, that helped him, you know, form those relationships with players. And he always like put the person first, like basketball was not the most important thing. It was, you know, becoming a good person. And he wanted every uh, student athlete to leave as a better person. And I think, uh, you know, that's just a testament to how he is as a person. So, I mean, you average 19 a game your first year on the court. And then I was curious about sort of like what you focus on each summer and how you've gotten better. Because from the outside looking in, it's like you're putting up these monster stats. You're getting all these accolades every single year. How have you been able to improve every single season? Because, I mean, you have, um, I mean, efficiency-wise and also averages across the board. Uh, I think, you know, like just focusing on like one or two things each summer. Um, you know, I remember my like freshman and sophomore year jump was just about like fouling. Like I just like when I was a freshman, I found out a few games like I would have to sit in the first half because of fouling. And that was like a big thing. And then realizing like you don't have to block every shot in the first quarter. Um, and like just trying to take that and like that helped me stay in the game longer for my sophomore year. And then, like, sophomore or junior, you work on, like, off-the-dribble stuff and, like, how you're going to become, you know, a scorer off the dribble because they already know you could post and you could shoot threes. And then, you know, going into junior to this year was really all about the fadeaway. Like, how are you going to score through double teams? How are you going to pass through double teams? And, like, that was something, you know, that's helped me tremendously this year. And, like, uh, you know, I really needed to add that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How has being at the top of the scouting report since your freshman year, like, talk about that because every single game plan, they like, talk about it on the broadcast. I was watching the game last night, and literally the only thing they talk about is how do we stop Maddie Seagrest from freshman year to now? Like, it's been four. It's like 
you've had this this legendary career of not only ha- putting up these monstrous numbers, but you've been the, the best player on the team for four years. That's not that's not very common in college basketball. Talk about being the top of the scouting report because we talked about this with Buddy with Buddy a little bit, Buddy Beheim. It's just the attention that you get every single night. Yeah, I remember like you know as a freshman, I was like more like a couple teams like box and wand and I was like why are they doing that like I was like mad like I was like frustrated about it I was like why are they doing that like and then I think like you learn to like embrace it a little bit and you realize like everybody gives up something and like nobody like I don't want to say nobody can sustain it for 40 minutes but like you're gonna get your opportunities and I think like that's been the biggest area of growth is like realizing you don't have to power through for people so when they're standing there like kick it out repost or like the biggest thing like this year is like you get your teammates open shots and like having that yeah. your teammates and like you know when you're surrounded by people you trust like I think it like helps you so much more as a player and like I- I've only been able to be successful at scoring because of the people around you or else they just like sit in a box and one or something or triangle too and you know just having those you know that confidence around you and then I've had two great coaches who draw plays and they, they're, you know, find ways to isolate you in different ways that I, I would never think of. Um, so I think that that's been a big part too. And just like knowing they're going to focus in on you, but like now in my career, like you've seen everything, you, you've probably seen every type of defense. So just being confident like that and knowing that, you know, there's always holes. Uh, Patty, how cool so, is that? I how mean, cool is that? I can't even like compre- these are like two K numbers looking at your box scores. Like it's <laughs> I can't even comprehend like thinking of that. But I mean like, like do, you're saying it's why doing doing that from when you literally step on the court in college. Yeah. Throughout your entire career is insane. How cool is that just to say like there's holes in every defense? Like <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean there is, clearly. Yeah. Putting up thirty a game, but um Yeah, man, again, thank you so much for joining the show i mean we won't take too much of your time here but as far as um we already touched on how surreal it's been with you wrapping up your career here but what are kind of your big your big time goals here because i'm sure you know your senior everyone always says it sounds cliche but you just want to win games but you've accomplished basically everything individually you can so um what are your big goals going into the last month here of your career um you know like just like as a team like i want to you know bring our best game to the Big East tournament. And I think, you know, it's hard to play three three good games in three days. Um, but, like, I feel like we're playing our best basketball right now, which which is exactly what you want to do. And then going into, um, you know, March Madness, you know, to, if we have the chance to host, I think that's huge for, the, uh, you know, our team, but for the Villanova in general. For sure. So let's let's just go back to the last couple of weeks. You have, you have a 50-point game. Yeah. You're 20 for 26 from the field. You've you've had this monumental thing of like you being in the zone. I remember it was your freshman year. We just we just got done playing against Kansas. You had the 40 point game against LaSalle, and uh, I brought my brothers to the gym. And Joe, your your associate head coach, was in the gym. It was after you had your 40 point game against LaSalle, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, Maddie just got in the zone today. She she was letting that thing go. No one could bother her. Having that 50 point game, what is?" What is that like? Because I don't think there's probably Patty might know the stat, but there's probably like twelve people in college basketball history who can relate to a fifty point game. Yeah, 
I mean, recent recent history, it's like probably not more than ten. Yeah. I mean, like it wasn't like I, like you you go into a game and you're like, oh, like I'm gonna drop fifty today. Like that wasn't the mind. Like I was like, all right. Um, and it was like the first quarter wasn't anything like abnormal. Like I want to say like maybe at eight or ten. Like it wasn't something like only on track for forty. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the second quarter. You know, it, it made a couple tougher shots, and then you know they had a technical. And I got four, you know, t- free throws, two techs, and I made three of them. And I'm like, all right, you go into halftime. I'm like, all right, you just try to maintain it. Then it was like the third quarter. I hit the first shot. I hit my. I missed my first shot, and that was the only shot I missed in the second half. Wow. Like, all right, like you know, you don't want, you don't never want to think you're getting cold. You're like, all right, you're good. Next shot I make, it was like a layup. The next shot I remember was like a really contested like pull up and I got fouled and I'm like hmm all right like maybe today's a day like all right and then you know do you make a couple more and then I got subbed out with like 38 maybe in the third or maybe four I I don't know something like crazy and then you know Brooke turns to me she's like I mean the record at the school is 44 you gotta get it and like you're not like of course of course Brooke in the game would would say that (laughs) So you get a couple more, and then, like, somebody else is, like, you just keep going. Like, they just start throwing it, and then, you know, Denise, you're at 46. Like, she ran another play, got a layup, and then I'm like, oh, my. You know, you don't even have a chance. Like, look up. You're just, like – and then I remember the 50th, I was, like, an isolated on the baseline. And everyone's, like, dribble it in, dribble it in. And I just turned and shot the ball. And it was, like, a tough kid. The kid was really close to me, contested, and it went in. And I'm like, all right. And, like, getting stuff. <laughs> I was like, wow. And, like, all you think, you know, you just try to soak up the moment. Cause you probably will never be that again. But you're just trying to, you know, I, it was cool. The man had a game, so we went down. You know, I went, I got to go in a box to Wells Fargo. And, like, I was on Sports Center that night. Like, yeah. you never even think to do. Um, but it was really, it was surreal. And, like, just trying to enjoy the whole day after that. It was really yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, after that, you blew up on all ESPNW the New York Knicks asked Jalen Brunson a question, and he said you were the GOAT of Villanova basketball. Your, your jersey should be hanging in the rafters as soon as you you play your last game. What 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 is that feeling like? I mean, it, the social media was like zero to a hun- like 100, like in a day. Like I remember like getting like 1,000 followers in like a few hours, like, yeah. like DMing you and like, it, it was wild. Like, even the next day, we were off. And I, I remember just turning my phone off. And I was like, I can't look at it anymore. Like, I got to just take, <laughs> take a little bit of a break. Uh, but it's surreal. And then to feel like, you know, like all love from, like, Nova and all the players that have played is is, is so cool. What was your mindset going into the next game? Because obviously you don't want to cool <laughs> off. But then you have, you have 39. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I try not to put, like, any expectations on it. I was like, you know, obviously the team's going to know, like, you had 50. Like, it was all over everything. So I'm like, all right, like, just do the best you can. And, you know, I I think I only had, like, 10 in the first half. It wasn't anything crazy. And then, like, third quarter, I just, I got, like, I think, like, four threes. I got some open looks, and I was just knocking them down. And then I I looked up at the end, and I was like, oh, boy. Like, (laughs) Yeah, shout out, shout out to St. John's uh, Red Storm. They really slowed you down. <laughs> Thirty nine. <laughs> they probably had a standing ovation after the game, Patty. But luckily, like, I'm from New York, so it was uh, almost like a home crowd there, which was kind of cool. Yeah. 
Nah, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. One last question from me, and then we'll, we'll kick it to Patty, see if he, has, if he has any more. What would you see this season being as, as successful in terms of uh, team success, right? You guys made it to the second round last year. You guys have been on this up, up towards upwards trajectory. You've been a top 10 team all year. You se- finished second in the Big East. Um, what would you see as, as this, this ending of the season being as a success? Um, I think going further than we did last year. I mean, we, we weren't ranked going into the NCAA tournament. So from like that aspect, like, you know, we're ahead of the game than we were last year. But, you know, try, go further in the NCAA tournament. Simple. Simple, simple. simple answer, Patty. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Straight to the point. Well, Maddie, it's been a pleasure having you on the Swider Show. You definitely have the most buckets out of anyone who's came on the Swider Show. <laughs> yeah, so I was we, gonna we, say we, that. That was my last comment. <laughs> we thirty-seven in G League. You won't be there for long. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. It. I appreciate it. But, but yeah, no. From, um, from from me, from Patty, from Adam, from the whole entire Swider Show. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll be cheering for you and. Obviously, you've done a great job taking care of my sister, so I appreciate that as well. So, uh, thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer, it's Adam Lewis. The Swider Show is created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.